Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Talent Equation Podcast. If you are passionate about helping young people to unleash their potential and want to find ways to do that better, then you've come to the right place. The Talent Equation Podcast seeks to answer the important questions facing parents, coaches, and talent developers as they try to help young people become the best they can be. This is a series of unscripted, unpolished conversations between people at the razor's edge of the talent community who are prepared to share their knowledge, experiences, and challenges in an effort to help others get better faster. Listen, reflect, and don't forget to join the discussion at thetalentequation.co.uk. Enjoy the show. Well, a, uh, a, re- a, return, a returning guest, uh, David Hinchliff, joins me, um, uh, fresh from uh, a, a heavy year of online virtual teaching, virtual PE, uh, and then some face-to-face stuff. And uh, I imagine it's been a, been a pretty heavy last couple of, well, 18 months or so, David. Anyway, welcome back. And uh, nice. how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, as you say, it's been a very strange, very busy time. I think last time we spoke, I wasn't even at school. I was, um, I was doing my own thing, and yeah. uh, now it's completely changed into you know being a head of cricket at a private school. It it, it makes everything um, a million times more intense because I'm also a housemaster, assistant housemaster in the in the boarding house. So. You know, your more your days start at seven o'clock when you're taking the boys to breakfast, and then you know, you if you're lucky, you're finished about half eleven. <laughs> so it gets pretty intense. Yeah. Um, so you've got the whole aspect of not just doing the sporting side, but the whole pastoral well-being and all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. So yeah, 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 yeah. I can imagine that's uh, pretty intense. Which link together, you know, absolutely. Well, you know, they dovetail perfectly. Yeah. Yes. You know, so it's it's, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's, there's no, there's no rest, but now I'm, I'm, I'm on my holidays. So you know, they do give you plenty of holidays to recover. So that's the plus, <laughs> the plus side. Absolutely. Yeah. Like um, foot, pedal to the metal for 10, 11 weeks and then nothing. 
did. Cool, cool. So, um, yeah, we've got a number of things that we're gonna we're gonna touch on today. Um, and I know you've got a load of things that you kind of want to explore with me. I definitely mm-hmm. want to explore some things with you. Um, having uh, had a heavy duty season of cricket, actually, uh, oh, yeah, running, yeah. running, I've got thirty five under thirteens, running two teams juggling volunteer parent managers um who's who is supporting me uh and a big quarterfinal match last night where didn't go as well Mm. as we'd like but um but yeah lots of good things and also some real challenges i've had in terms of just coaching cricket particularly coaching my son and i've got some interesting reflections to share with you so anyway we've got lots of lots to explore um yeah, I don't know. Let start us off. Where what what, what sort of things are, you, are on your mind? Well, uh, uh, speaking about um, you know cricket seasons and all that, we had our first. Um, I had my first actual summer. It was my second summer at school being head of cricket, mm-hmm. but my first actual summer of putting it into action. So you know, getting a whole bunch of uh, boys and some girls, not as many as I'd like, but some girls through you know, a 10-week um, summer term and and what that looked like and, and doing it from a, um, you know, trying to get a more constraints-led approach through the through the coaching. And so maybe that's, maybe that's the place that we can start about, you know, how I went about it and maybe what people can take from that as a, as a way of sort of trying to, trying to put things into action on a, on a bigger scale. Yeah. So, um, well, talk me through it then. I'm, I'm all ears. I'd be interested to know how it, how it went and how you did it and all those sorts of things. I mean, it definitely wasn't a, you know, as, as you would expect from someone coming from a more sort of ecological dynamic sort of um, approach. It wasn't, you know, they were striving for that perfect thing wasn't, wasn't really what I was aiming to do. I was just sort of throwing, throwing stuff in the air and seeing what we could, seeing what we could achieve between us. And, yeah. um, yeah, but it started with I start. I read um, uh, just before I started the term. I read Doug, Doug um, Lemov's book. Um, was it coach, coaching for teachers or teach, teaching for coaches? Can't remember yeah. the name of it. Yeah, teaching for coaches. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which I, I really enjoyed. And but then thought to myself, okay, but this is kind of taking it from a different perspective. So what can I take from that and, and put into a more ecological? Um, way of doing things so i stole some of his ideas but i think that's why he wrote the book so i'm sure he wouldn't mind um and i, I put together a handbook which was sort of a, a basic outline of, of our principles of what we were going to do a sort of curriculum although i didn't really like the, the idea of a curriculum but a sort of curriculum and then um just a whole bunch of games that we could play and build on and change and adapt as we went along um and it worked okay the biggest the 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 biggest um success was we had a lot of buy-in and a lot of kids doing stuff who maybe wouldn't have been so keen because they didn't have as many options as as when we did things in a more traditional way um but then the other side of it was that i came across a real problem with getting people to be or some people to be motivated and that was you know that's a whole topic about how those people who are not particularly interested but they have to be there because they're at school mm. and they have to do cricket because it's cricket term mm. um 
you know how do we how do we find something that resonates with them find some meaning for them that that gives them something that they can that they can do and and that's still a question i have some ideas of answers for that and some things work better than others with some people but that's my big sort of challenge there moving forward is what about that group of um boys who are they have to do forget but they're not that interested in it i'll, I'll say boys a lot by the way it's because it's mostly boys that that, that i'm working with mm. but there is a good good group of girls there as well so but mm. so, sorry girls for relegating you into the boys <laughs> <laughs> right fair enough so, yeah the handbook was was my was my key for it all i've spent a long time putting that together um and then yeah, most of it. But then most of it, most of the time I would just say, look, here's an idea. I'd say to the other coaches, here's an idea. This is the basics of it. Take it anywhere you want. Yeah. So so when you say the handbook, it was yeah. a, a handbook of, which you call a sort of curriculum. I quite like that. Um, yeah. How did you go about, well, firstly, the handbook was a list of kind of games and activities and practice forms, I imagine. <laughs> um yep. and and um how did you go about designing them were they things that you've collected over the years that you basically put into a kind of singular volume or were there new things that you thought that were going to be specifically relevant for this particular consort this particular group it was yeah it was mostly i tried to go with tried something that i tried before um i'd put it in put it down on paper if you like it's not paper virtual paper mm-hmm. um and that was the idea behind that was you know i know i know the basic game works so we can at the very least we know what our intention is we know roughly how we're going to play the game and we're just going to go for it and then we adapt as we go along and the number of times we started a game and I thought, well, this has worked with this group over here, but it just doesn't work with this group over here. So, okay, well, we're going to adjust it. We're going to change that. We're going to take that particular way of scoring points out and we're going to add this one in instead, or we're going to simplify it or we're going to make it a bit more complicated. You know, it was um, it was very dynamic. Um, so just to bring this to life, uh, yeah. what give me an example of a game that you would have played sort of, you know, kind of in the early stages of that 10-week uh, well, the, the the big one that they really enjoyed, especially the younger, especially the junior school kids, um, the, they really enjoyed is a game called Catchy Shubby. Catchy Shubby. Shubby, S-H-U-B-B-Y. Shubby. Tell me about Catchy Shubby. You've got me hooked already. <laughs> <laughs> it's non-stop cricket, but more... But some of the kids called it unfair cricket because... Um, well, I'll get to that in a minute, but I absolutely love that they gave it its own name. But um, it, it's it's non-stop cricket, but with bowling, basically. So um, you have, you, you're set up as normal, really. You've got two batsmen, uh, a bowler, and everyone else fields. There's no one waiting to bat. And then, but that's, that's when it starts, that's when it starts to depart. So it's non-stop, which means if you hit it, you have to run. Um, we usually made a rule of because we were on a field we didn't want someone smashing it for miles so we usually made a rule of you could only score one run so you're not allowed to just try and smash it miles and if you smash it too far then you're out um, and then you can be out in all the normal ways caught bold run out you know 
etc etc this is this is with a softball you can do it with a hardball but it, it, it doesn't really work um because you need to change the batsman over really quickly uh, and then if you're if you're out um then whoever the, the bowler who gets you out goes into bat so you just you just swap out you just swap out but instead of having one bowler you and one ball you have three bowlers like you would line up in nets you have three bowlers and three balls only one ball's live at a time but the idea behind that is if the batsman hits the ball and the fielder gets the ball just ground fields it as you as they normally do then you just run you take your ball and you run to the back of the queue and you're the bowler then you have your turn you bowl if you get them out you become the batsman if you don't you just become a fielder again unless you get the ball back you know sometimes they do you get the ball back you go back to the back of the queue so there's always something happening the bowler becomes the batsman the batsman becomes the fielder the fielder becomes the bowler the bowler becomes the batsman you just it's like a loop you know um and it's frantic, you know, because it's t- t- hit and run. You're trying to knock the ball into a gap. Batsmen start to realise that it's every one for themselves. So then they start to try and run each other out by tapping it straight to a fielder and running at the other end. They, it's chaos. But everyone's involved all the time, unless they don't want to be. And it's a good test for me as well to see the ones who don't want to be, because they will position themselves somewhere behind square where the ball never goes and decide I'm not going to ever be the bowler, so I'm not going to ever be the batsman. So you can get a quick view on who are the ones who are doing the most of the bowling and the batting because they're the ones that are probably the keenest because how keen you are gets you more chances to do stuff. And then when you do stuff, you get more, you, you know, you, you keep doing stuff, if you see what I mean. Um, so, you know, in terms of the representativeness, it's way more representative than a than your your classic, you know, non-stop where the coach underarms it, the the batsman hits it and then runs around the cone and runs back again. So it's way more representative, um, but it's still not as representative as as you know, uh, well, a full game, for example, even a full game of of um, wind ball cricket would is not quite the same. Um, but then you can just throw in, you can throw in whatever extra rules you want there. And now one of the things I would always um, do after a few minutes of playing the game is I, I bring the kids in and go, okay, how can we make this better? What do we need to do to make this game better? And they, they would usually have between them, they would usually have five or six ideas. Yeah. So one hand, one bounce, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or one good one I did on that one um, was um, we did one hand, one bounce if you were the wicketkeeper or the slip. So every, but I, I, you only allowed maximum of two slips. So everybody wanted to feel the slip then because then you got a chance to go into bat. <laughs> so for, for our American friends, the wicketkeeper is the person behind the batter, a bit like the catcher in baseball. And a slip is actually in cricket. You can have people to the to the side of them because if the ball hits the edge, then it goes to them as well. As well, so that's the difference between baseball. Yeah. You have more people behind the batter than you do in baseball. You don't because have, foul, you don't have foul, yeah, you don't have foul balls. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a three sixty game. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's great, and you get all kinds of crazy shots happening. Bowlers trying all kinds of crazy things. Fielders desperate to get the ball. You know, so desperate to get the ball, they'll you'll often have to say. You can't fight over it. <laughs> so if you, you get the ball as a, if you get the ball as a fielder, you run and join the queue as a bowler because you said you have a, a queue of three bowlers. Three bowlers. It depends how many players you've got, but three is optimal because then there's always a ball 
well, once that once the once that kid is running to the back of the queue, the next one's running into bowl. So you never have a long pause while someone who's you know running from fine leg <laughs> running up to join the back is you never get so the the, the balls all the game's always moving something always happens and, and there's are, only are, ever one ball are the play. batters crossing in a standard fashion running from wicket to wicket or are they running yep. out to the yeah so they so but the the yep. ball, can the bowler bowl whenever they're ready once the ball's in there yeah usual usual rules for bowling so yeah you can't you can't just bowl while they're you know while they're adjusting their their cap or something you got to wait for them to be ready but yeah it's it's um so it's quite representative right because you've got a bowler bowling to a batsman yeah and they are you know and they are actually bowling and the batsman is actually bowling and then you can up you can up you can make it much more difficult for the batsman to score to um um to stay in which which challenges them more you know if you if you play if you if you miss it or leave it twice you're out if you know if you one hand, one bounce. We've already talked about um, lots of ways that you can sort of ramp up the, the difficulty to the batsman, or if you want to make it a little bit easier for them, you can do that as well. You, you can also throw in superpowers as well, which is always a thing. Um, you know, in uh, in, in it, almost any game, you can you can start to give temporary advantages to people who are who need it or who have earned it. So you know, you can you can throw in. Things like one fielder can have one hand, one bounce, or um, if you hit the ball into the um, if you hit the ball into the offside, then you can run two if you want instead of just running one. Things like that. Right. So, um, and and what would you say is the kind of key intention in terms of the what would be the sort of emergent skills and you know kind of almost like what would what would you expect the players to be developing from that game kind of what's the what's its intentional basis if you like oh this uh, yeah i mean there's so many things i mean the, the key thing for me is that it just gets everybody involved straight away you know there's no one of the so one participation of the is your main goal <sighs> yeah i mean i guess but um that's that's a really good question, actually. It kind of is the main goal, but that's almost like saying, oh, well, it's just a knockabout. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just a warm-up, which yeah. I, as a phrase, as a phrase, I, I, I use it. I actually use it because it's quite easy to get to the kids that, you know, I'm not super bothered about the outcomes here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a warm-up. But in my own head, it's never just a warm-up. Mm. Um, it's, it's always something that we're trying to achieve. Mm. So I mean, there's so many good things happening there. You've got the the perception action coupling of the batsman, the bowler to the batsman, the, and the thing that you never really see if you're in nets, which is from the batsman to the fielder, which is you know that's so difficult to recreate in a in a training situation. Mm. Um, that's why nets are so popular. It's because easy. Everyone bowls apart from if you're batting, and then you bat for a bit, and then. You bowl, which is fine. You know, it creates the perception action coupling from the bowler to the batsman, but you don't get it from the batsman to the fielder, and that's that's not quite as important, obviously, because the ball doesn't come to you as much in the field as it does when you're batting. But it it's it, it's crucially important. Mm. So that's an, that's a big thing for me. It's because it's hit and run. One of the big things that I think 
especially kids that don't do very well is rotating the strike. They're either blocking it or hitting it. So, you know, tap the ball into a gap and get up the other end. Tap to the gap. That was one of the things that are under 10s, a little, um, a little phrase that they started to use when I was saying, right, what are we, you know, what are we learning here? And one of them said, oh, we need to tap to the gap. So then it just became tap to the gap for the rest of the summer. <laughs> and they're running up the other end. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that as well. Fielding wise, it, it makes you want to go for the ball, which some people don't want to do. Um, and you're getting lots of repetition without repetition, which is a, a huge one for me. You're standing in different places, you're bowling, you have to bowl, you, you don't have to think about it too much. You don't think about your action or your technique, just run in and bowl quick. You know? So, you, you know, you, you, you're looking at focusing on where you're getting the ball to land and then and going from there. So lots of things. And if, okay, yeah, I get it. I like it. It's really nice. Um, it strikes me though, that with, with, certain adaptations you because there's there's adaptations that you would make to for example increase the difficulty say for the batter so that the batting opportunity rotates more more quickly um which is something that's desirable generally and i always did this with my own pickup games as a child because for any ever for any individual or pair to sort of dominate the batting becomes a little bit demotivating because you know everybody wants to get going back don't they and you know that your way to get a get a going bat is to go from there to bowling, and then to into into batting. So I quite yeah. like the fact that you know you've got to do good fielding and get the ball in order to then get in the bowling and then get your opportunity to bat. So you do want to make it more difficult because otherwise you never get the opportunity to bat, and one person can dominate for too much. But it strikes me that beyond that, beyond the whole difficulty factor to rotate the opportunities for action, there's also ways in which you would tweak that game to maybe draw more attention to certain elements so for example you mentioned that there's there's obviously all the dimensions of perception action coupling there's bowler to batter batter to bowler batter to fielder fielder to fielder to batter there's all those dimensions taking place Mm -hmm. but you could draw attention to more of them more of those kind of areas of exploration through a use of a constraint i'm trying to think of one as an example but something along the lines of um, if if you for example if let's say you wanted to draw more attention to fielding anticipation let's say and the ability to say cut off singles particularly against the idea of tap to the gap so if you've got the idea of a of of that and you can get the fielders to be able to attune to the idea that the batters are going to try and tap to the gap and they've got to be on the move quick picking up the ball throwing it in i'm thinking if you drew for example a good piece of fielding right so let's say somebody really good anticipation walking in hard getting the ball throwing throwing the ball accurately maybe hitting the stumps not necessarily getting a run out but if you did you immediately go into bat rather than joining the bowler queue. Then it's almost like you've got that, you've got that kind of way of leapfrogging the, the way to get what everybody wants to, which is to get into bat, so so to speak. Mm. Is that a, is yeah. that a, a, an idea that you could we could explore? I mean, or am I completely going off the wall here? Um, no, it's great. We've done that. We've done a slightly different game structure that we were doing, but we've we've done that, which is. If you throw ball and do a direct hit, it doesn't matter where the batsman is. Congratulations, you're in. Yeah. So, um, 
it made them throw all the time at the stumps. Mm. And um, then, well, we got to the point then when they were starting to game it, which you've always got to watch out for. You know, I call it rules lawyering. Like, <laughs> well, you said this, and I've thought of this way to buck, buck <laughs> the system. Rules Not playing lawyering. in the spirit of, of, of yeah. Not playing in the spirit of the of the rules. I'm playing to the letter of the law. You know, so you get a kid who then realizes that, oh, hang on, if I stand really close to the non-striker stumps, if I get the ball, I have to do under underarm it from two feet away, and I'm in. <laughs> okay, well, it has been overarm throw, and you can't stand that close. You know, so you have yeah. to adapt it. You go, but then that's what co-creation is, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 it's, it, you're not competing against each other. You're working together towards a, towards an aim. And yeah, of course, the little kids are going to be like, okay, right. How can I, how can I game the system? That's um, a great phrase. Rules lawyering. I really yeah. love that. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> well, technically of, your honor. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the interesting <laughs> yeah. things about rules though, isn't it? There is always a kind of a, a, a way of interpreting them for your advantage in some different way. Um, and I quite like sometimes what they come up with because it shows engagement. Yeah. It shows their about it, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. It's, it's they're getting creative, and, and that's what you want. So you know, when they're actually playing a, 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 in a in a game, you know, eleven aside hardball game, you know, they think, well, hang on a minute, there's nothing that will say I can't do X, and suddenly you've got a new shot or a you know or a new tr- fielding trick that, that nobody thought of. You know, that's how the switch here got started yeah. i'm sure yeah, no, yeah, well, no, yeah no one says i can't bat left-handed yeah i'm gonna give it a go yeah 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 no one says i can't kneel down and hit it over my head so <laughs> i'm gonna try <laughs> yeah i love it i love yeah, it's it good. it's good to have that critical thinking you know yeah definitely um so something else that i thought about as well with that um is how why is it called unfair cricket by the kids Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think because the idea is that, you 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 know, everyone's trying to get everyone out, including, you know, they, they very quickly realize that if you get the other person out, then you're not out. So they will, they will deliberately just play a forward defensive and run out the other end, knowing that the other person's going to get run out. <laughs> so they start like they start. What they say is, this is what they say is, I can't. Um, there's two. There's there's two groups, right? One of the one of the groups call it snaking. I can't believe you snaked me. And the other group say you threw me under the bus. And that's like that's just become a say. You know, I can't believe you threw me under the bus. And they just, you know, it's, but, you know, again, it's that engagement, is it? Of like, 
of you know your 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 friends but you're also trying to beat each other i've never had it where you know bitter rivals have started to deliberately sabotage each other <laughs> uh, so i i i've got a similar um not similar, it's not the same game but but I, something i do is because i want to also i i played a lot of sort of um hit and run um you know you've got to hit the ball if you hit the ball you've got to run i played a lot of hit and run cricket um which was pretty cool because i think it shows them what's possible in terms of running and actually it puts a lot of pressure on the fielders so it sharpens up the fielders as well because one of the things mm. i've noticed certainly playing hardball is how often the ball is fumbled when so that you know the ball's hit quite hard straight to a player the batsman set off and run and the fielder fumbles it because they're thinking about mm. the throw so it actually tunes into that you get loads of repetition without repetition in terms of fielding which is useful and then the decision making about where to throw and where the shout comes from because needless to say everybody shouts and they hear they hear they hear keeper bowler and they can't make a decision because you know so the the there's um there's all of those dimensions around the decision making elements around fielding um but the hit and run prob there is a problem with the hit and run obviously because it takes away the decision making of when to run um, yeah. And so, obviously, I want to bring the decision making into that sometimes. So, one of the ways I've done one of the ways I've done that is to say you have a runs target for six balls in an over, um, and we agree the runs target. And if they achieve the runs target, they there's no sanction. But if they fail on the runs target, they lose a life and they have three lives or they have a number of lives or whatever it might be they have in batting. But you could do yeah. it with your game, whereby if you lose your runs target, both both of them are out. So then they become a bit yeah, more, yeah. instead of being adversarial, they become, and snaking each other, love that. Um, yeah. They're actually a bit of a team. And so it's in their interest to run hard. They don't have to run on every ball they've hit, um, but it's in mm. their interest to run hard for each other on the basis that they are both out if they don't make their runs target. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I've done that with, um, not not with the catchy shubby rules, done it with more, with pairs batting where the pairs have a set number of runs they've got to score in the first 12 balls they face. Yeah. And then if they, if they achieve, it's usually quite easy. So if they achieve it, they get another over, but it goes, it, that, that number then. Yeah, that's what I do. It goes up. Yeah, goes up. And they just see how far they can get into a maximum of five overs. Um, see how, see how many you can do it. Yeah, and I also would do it if I was doing it with um, a, a smaller group or a one-to-one. -one, I would do that as well. Um, in a one-to-one -one situation in the nets, um, we would reset. So we go, okay, let's see how far up we can go. And then if you don't achieve it, then we go, we go back one and try again, and then see how far up you can go. That's, mm. I mean, that's slightly different again because then you're sort of imagining the, the fielding. Yeah. So you, again, you're losing a little bit of representativeness there, but if you haven't got any fielders, you've got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yes. I go, um, I, the game, that game I've told you, I call it Rooty's Run Builder. Because yeah. the, I, you know, I, I also have. my name. Yeah, I call I, it Escalator. <laughs> <laughs> That's good as well. I like it though, because yeah. it's, um, it, what I'm trying to achieve there as well is to get them into, because I also have a very short boundary that if they clear, they're out. Yeah. They're instantly yeah. out. So they have to hit the ball on the ground, which brings the fielders into it. You can't just smash the ball over the top. And it's, again, yeah. it's a tap to the gap type idea. Um, but it's yeah. also to get them used to the idea of not immediately going into bat and trying to play big shots and getting themselves out. Yeah. 
it's to sort of play relatively low risk cricket, but still keep the keep the scoreboard ticking over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. The, the, that's been our, our big focus for for us has been that yeah, because the natural inclination is, well, I'm just going to absolutely pongo everything over mid wicket as soon as I walk in. But it's you know, okay, that's great. Uh, yeah. But you know, also there are there are there are sort of um, uh, it get, gears is often what it's called. You go to go through the gears. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's the right analogy anymore, especially with 2020 cricket. You know, because most yeah. people start in fifth gear anyway. But <laughs> yeah, there is something to say about there's there's levels. You know, and yeah. you know you need to be a, a great if you can start at level four or five. But actually, there's no problem with going at level two or three for a while. You know, that's yeah. that's okay too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's definitely that. The thing I'm thinking about at the moment around that is how do you bring in the idea that you can, if you are working on that, rotating the strike, scoring off more balls, how do you also give the option of a boundary? Mm. If it's there, if someone bowls you a half volley or a long hop, you want to get rid of it. Yeah, you don't want to go. Oh, I'm just going to tap that into a gap and and pick up a single because you've missed out on three runs there, or or four, or six or five runs. Yeah. So I'm I'm just I I'm trying to I'm, I haven't really come up with way of doing them. Trying to think how can you do that? One of the things I've tried is which I haven't really decided if it works or not is to have two boundaries. Yes. Um, and if you if you hit it over the second, you only get a, a you know maybe one chance to hit it over the second boundary. If you hit it over the second boundary, you get some kind of reward for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but mo- but you, once you've done that once, you can't do it again for an over or whatever. So you know you, you have to pick your you have to you have to wait you have to wait for the ball to hit rather than rather than just deciding that you're going to try and smash everyone. So I it's funny because um, one of the other reasons I play the game I play is because <clears throat> in order to bring additional representativeness, we 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 played with hardball and pads and everything else, um, but we share the field with the under nines and the under 11s. Mm. And so my concern always from a safety perspective is that they just smash it and then it lands on yeah. an under nine's head and then we're in real trouble. So, you know, yeah. we don't, we don't want any of that. So um, I, that's one of the reasons I get, because they won't, they're under 13 boys in the main and they won't think about, Oh, if I hit this ball really hard, it might hurt an under nine. Uh, they just think, nope. They think about their, their their ability to show off their strength to the rest of their group. So, um, uh, as a, it's another reason I do that. Actually, you know, it's got not only does it have a what I think is a developmental opportunity, but but it, but it's also very interesting. You talk about any of this because um, I find, or one of the things that I find really challenging is. Um, you do get some, I do get some of them like going, you know, they get quite frustrated by, by that game, particularly when they have been bolder, not very good ball that just is desperate to be dispatched and they instinctively do so. And then they're out. They can't get their heads around it. And it's unfair cricket almost. Um, And they often come to me saying, Oh, can we just play? Can we play a different, can we play a different game? And I'll often say, well, look, look, look at these kids around you here. Can I trust you? not to hit the ball on one of their heads. And they quite often just look at me and go, uh, probably not. But but even so, <laughs> but I, I'm with you as well. I do feel like I want to be able to do that because I've also felt, and actually I was having an interesting conversation with my son last night, having worked with him quite diligently on helping him to build, allow him to build his innings, 
but he actually said to me he's he's now got into a state where he's kind of in between so his natural attacking shot making he's now not doing initially because he used to he got out quite a bit so he was like i don't want to be out getting out so i said well maybe it'd be useful for you to spend a bit of time in the middle getting used to it all before you do your attacking shots what he's now finding is he's not defending properly he's playing what i call half shots and getting out on them as well so his solution or his conclusion yesterday having once again got out cheaply and being quite quite feeling quite low his solution was maybe I should just go out there and play attacking shots. And if I get out, I get out. But at least I've got out with a clear intention of trying to score uh, as opposed to sort of not. So I thought to myself, well, fair enough. You know, you're 13, enjoy your cricket, go and play, you know. And that's where I think me, with my ideas of helping, have got in the way. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is a tricky one. I, the way that I deal with that um, is I say, I always say, look, you need a plan, right? So if you've got a plan and you go out and you and you don't execute on that plan that you were trying to, you know, you. my intention was to try and smash it over mid-wicket for six, even though they had someone standing out there at mid-wicket. And I hit it straight down his throat and he caught it because he was their best fielder. Then I'll have no concerns that was your plan. You tried to put your plan into action. It didn't work. We'd maybe talk about, is that the best plan for the situation that you were in? But you had a plan. But that's more important than the, the details of the plan. We can work on the details of the plan if you've got one. But one thing that I find unforgivable is probably too much. But one thing that is, is really, I really want to hammer into every, every um, person that I coach is that, if you walk off and sit down and say, oh, sorry, coach, I don't know why I play that shot. That to me, that's just, well, why don't you know why? You, <laughs> you, you, you need to know why you played that shot. If it's the execution, which is a problem, we can work on the execution. But if, if, you, if you just get in your head that you're going to try and smash one now and you haven't decided, you don't even know why, then, then there's nothing we can do. There's no, there's, you, you've got no structure to work from there. Mm. So... By all means, if you want to just go out and try and smash every ball, then you'll quickly find out whether it works or not. So if it if it works for you, great, crack on. If yeah. it doesn't, if it doesn't work for you, then let's let's talk about what we can do next. But yeah. don't don't give up. Don't just give up and go. Well, I, I can't be bothered to think, so I'm just going to try and smash it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because so there's there's sort of two reasons for me to sort of do this, and I've been doing it with quite a lot of them, to be honest. And not always that successfully, you quite often get quite a lot of resistance um, because you feel like you're interfering with their natural flow, which, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm acutely aware of, you know, I don't necessarily want to place myself in there, but I've definitely found myself getting trapped. And this is why I find cricket coaching really difficult because uh, I find myself getting trapped with feeling the need to provide some sort of intervention that in in principle, should help them with a problem they're having. Um, and if I'm honest, I've got a bit trapped in providing technical solutions um, as opposed to designing scenarios. Because when I'm dealing with, and I don't know how you solve this problem, but when I've got, say, 12 players in, say, two nets and there's me, and yeah. 
each batter's in there and you're going to get a maximum of, say, a minute or so when you're in that down. That, if I was one to one with them, it's easier. But, yeah. you know, when I'm in there and you get a, you've got to and, and you want to offer something, it's, I've got limited time. And so I'm not always able to come up with the scenario or the situation that's going to necessarily help them. If it was me, I could do a particular feed or I could create, if it was just one-on-one, I could do a particular feed or create a challenge or, and I'll give you an example of how I've done that with somebody else. But in this group environment, I find it much more difficult. So ordinarily I'll go down there maybe with a question or, or maybe with a suggestion, you know, and sometimes that suggestion is, for example, why don't you, I, I've got a little challenge for, you know, you've got players smashing the ball everywhere and having a lovely time, but I know it's not much of a challenge for him and I wanted to create an extra bit of stretch. So I went down there. And, and suggested, why don't you challenge yourself by, you know, playing shots that you can't play? And of course, gets out a couple of times, humiliation factor, because mates stood down the other end are laughing and, hey, I got you, I got you, I got you. And then, and then I go down and speak and then literally break down in tears, crying. I'm under too much pressure to do different things. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I've just clearly created something that didn't need to happen here and then you realize yeah these 12 year old boys some of them aren't even emotionally probably 11 you know they're not even emotionally they're emotionally yeah. 10 in some cases and so this is yeah. where all this stuff happens and you start to realize oh god i've created a bit of a problem here thinking i was helping yeah and these are the um, these are some of my experiences from this year really oh yeah yeah it's not easy it's, it's a problem everybody faces because you know you you if you you have to st- if you want to talk to somebody then you have to stop what's happening. Yeah. And then, and also your attention is drawn to one person when you've got 11 others there. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it is a, it's a difficult thing. Um, and I, it's something that I don't do at all. I don't, I extremely rarely, like, unless it's something which is, you know, someone is struggling so much that they just can't, you know, they, they, they can't hit the ball or, you know, at the real extreme level. Um, I would I would intervene then because you know I don't want to see someone struggling so much that they're just completely out of their um, ability level. But ideally, obviously, that's never going to happen. It'll happen sometimes. But other than that, I, I, we do. Um, we, we, I've, I've taken a lot of ideas from Mark Bennett's stuff about um, keeping play going and having the hand gestures and, and things that you can keep uh, very okay. quickly. Yeah, yeah, you can you you can use those hot reviews. Um, yeah, to 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 very quickly let that someone know, and the, the ones that that work really well is the um the, the how we do it is um if if you hear your name called, then you've got to do one of three things. You've got either to give me a, a long distance fist bump if you think it's something good that I'm pointing out. Um, um, put your hand up if you think it's something that maybe you you shouldn't be doing, and you need to just correct that. And you, if you put your hand up, you're definitely going to correct it. And if you've got no idea what your name is called, put your finger on your temple just to say, no idea what you're talking about. And then um, whatever, whichever one of those three is, I don't stop it. I, we just keep rolling. And then you just get that little tiny little, okay, he, he knows he knows what he's doing here. He, I'm going to, you know, he's going to correct himself. So we don't have to do anything. Um and if it's an I don't know, then you might just watch for a bit longer, and then maybe you might you might come to an intervention at some point. So that's that's one thing that's worked really well for me. And then the other thing is just giving them something to focus on. So you know that that attention thing, which is really difficult in nets because 
we've what we've spoken about before is what it almost always deteriorates to. Uh, it regresses to the mean, which is bowler runs in and bowls, batsman tries to hit it, is successful or not. Next bowler bowls, batsman tries to hit it, is successful or not. Continue, yeah. And and the batsman, I've experienced this myself many times. You walk out of the net with this vague sense of um, I think I did all right there, or oh god, I feel worse than when I went in. That's pretty much the only two feelings you get yeah. from those kind of nets. Yeah. So if you if you draw some kind, of, I just I just call it we're going to play a net game today, and then we draw the attention to something. And there's there's loads of those. The one of my favourites is twenty ones. Yeah. We talked about that one before. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. on. First, no. um, it's just basically first to twenty one. So the batsman has points for doing things, and you can make it whatever you want. And the bowlers have points for doing things, and whoever gets to twenty one first wins. And the focus then suddenly is, bang on, because actually we're competing now. Uh, and, and you can make it anything you want. If you've got the batsman who's going in and slogging, you might work more on, okay, well, if you, you know, if you, if you hit the ball, if you strike the ball and it, do, it, it doesn't hit the side netting in the air, then you get three points. But if you, if you strike the ball and it hits the side netting in the air, then you, know, you get one point. But if you um, if you strike the ball and it hits the side net in the air twice in a row, then the bowlers get three points or mm. whatever. You know, you can you can make it whatever you want. Um, and then yeah, and obviously the bowlers get absolutely loads of points for wickets because you're trying to you're trying to make a wicket a real discouragement. So you know, if, if you get bowled out, you know, you you the bowlers get seven points or something like that. And then, and then suddenly it's like, oh well, hang on a minute. <laughs> rather than just swinging at everything and doesn't matter if I get bumped I'm just going to face another ball anyway yeah. well hang on a minute now they've got now they've got 14 points because I've been bowled twice in a row and I'm on two points I'm a bit of focus here yeah I like that um, and then we also do um, like target gates quite a lot as well so you, um, net darts is a good one which I stole from the Magic Academy you seen that one? go on you put you put up you put cones around, or you don't even need cones. But you, you, if if they need a visual guide, you put cones around, and each cone is worth a set number of points. Um, I do one one to six points. Like an on drive is six worth six points. Um, a cover drive maybe one point. So because it's slightly easier, and so on. And you're trying to get to fifty one points as a batsman. And if you go over like darts, if you go over, you lose. Okay, got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, you can play with the points. You can you can take points off if you want. You know, if someone gets out, you can take points off. Things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, that's a bit more as we obviously more of a batter's game. Um, the bowlers are a bit more bowling machines then, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But the I mean, the great thing about bowling is you can do it in the nets, and it's um, especially with younger kids. You know, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel there's there's a, there's a place where you want the ball to land as many times as possible and it's slightly different for spinners than it is for seamers and and, and that's it and then you you can obviously you can get into nuances around turn and bounce and um swing and seam but especially if you're in nets that's, that's quite difficult to recreate because the surfaces 
it it's really interesting yeah i mean the surface is the major issue for me because you know usually it's an artificial surface that reacts very differently from a grass surface yeah. and Bouncy. and it, it affords certain actions you know it affords them it sits up it's pretty true you don't have real very much variation in bounce um, and as a result of that, you know, you can kind of play off the back foot mostly and you just pull and cut the ball to your heart's content and yeah. um, and all those sorts of things, you know, and then you get out there and they think they can do the same thing and no, you're out. And so there's a, there's a <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like, it's, it's really crazy. Um, and it, it's, a, it's one of the reasons why I'm sort of not a massive fan of them. And interestingly, they're not either. Quite a lot of them, whenever I ask them, what do you want to do? Do you want to, have got this brand new beautiful nets, but they're just don't necessarily help i don't think um and so yeah trying to use, if you do use that space trying to sort of maximize its its value by kind of yeah. drawing attention to certain things i, I kind of like the one thing i was going to say is i um what, what i found really interesting was how so i've been doing a bit of one-to-one -one work you know parents have sort of said to me oh can you do a bit of work with um you know um, and so it's like one of the lads is one of the, he's like mainly a bowler, but he really wants to develop his batting. So doing some one-to-one -one. and a really interesting thing about kind of perceptions, particularly of young players and, and also awareness of the information that's out there. I'm talking about batting specifically in this case. So um, again, we were in the nets and, you know, just said, okay, let's just, you know, what is it you want to work on? Um, well, this is a player who can really hit the ball very well, but is quite concerned, you know, because get out. And so, so I want to work on my ability to stay at the crease for a bit longer. Um, okay, great. No problem. We can do that. Um, so, you know, come up and bowl. And whenever I'm in the nets, I never use the dog wangers or the side arms or anything like that. Um, I try and bowl where I can. There'll come a time when I, that's not good enough anymore. But for now, I can try and bowl if I can. Try and give the maximum. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so you bought, I bowl the ball a little bit, a little bit wider, um, and, uh, just goes after it, nicks it <laughs> first ball, you know, big expansive drive, nicks it. So, right. Okay. Here we go. That's interesting. Right. And my first question was, did you have to play that? And he said, what do you mean? <laughs> and I said, well, did you need, did you need to actually play a shot to that ball you know was it going to hit the stumps no and I said and given you said to me that you want to work on your game of staying at the crease a bit longer you know this is the first ball you might not want to play a shot first ball and he said what do you mean I said, okay well I said what is the goal when you're batting and he said to score runs I went that is definitely a goal right but what is in your case here this scenario what is another goal didn't have an answer for me and I said, well, if you go for that shot and you nick it in your court, you're not no longer batting. So what else could you be doing? And he said, well, I need to stay here. I said, exactly. And so I said, in this situation, staying here is really valuable. So therefore, if you don't hit the ball, that's there's, there's no way you can be out. If you don't have to hit it. And he'd never thought about leaving the ball ever up to this point. And this is a boy. Well, that's a very like that's a very two, 2021 um, approach to cricket. Exactly, yeah. and I get if that. If it's not hitting the stumps, you can't be bowled. So it's a free hit. That's yeah. that's the that's the that's the, the mindset. The modern 
approach. Yeah, yeah. I get that. And, yeah. and, and, and that... Hit. You, you're not bowling it on my stumps, I'm going to whack it. <laughs> but you see, the problem that he had discovered in his games when he's batting, and the reason he'd become quite anxious about batting, even though he's actually a very good hitter of the mm. ball, was... I'm doing that and I keep getting out for not very much and I don't like it and I want to improve my ability to stay at the crease. So, of course, mm. that with that in mind, I'm like, well, we need to recalibrate what you're trying to do here. So, this is sorry, it's a bit of a long-winded story, but I think it's useful because it helps to maybe illustrate what yeah. we're talking about. And so what I said was, so I said, okay, so... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, what if we, you were to say, right, that the goal here is to, is to play, you know, is to still score runs, obviously. But initially, you know, we'll do that with as low risk as possible. And every time you try and hit the ball, there is a risk that you could get out, either core or, or hit, whatever. So first and foremost, if we, if we identify that the ball isn't going to hit the stumps, then early on, we might not want to hit it because that's the ultimate low-risk shot. If the ball's on the stumps, we want to hit it in a way that's minimising the risk of getting out. So that might be a more, say, defensive-style shot. But if we want to score runs as well, we might be looking to play the lowest-risk shot that can still score us a run. These are the options that we might want to explore right here, right now. Yeah, he said, yeah, okay, great. So that's what we looked at. So the interesting thing about all this, this, this. so I then said, right, here's our little chat. So, so we, I then went and said, okay, we could play low risk shot. And he actually played some really good leaves, really good leaves. He really knew what to do. But what was really interesting was then it started to creep back and then these big shots started to emerge and he's hitting shots in the air. You know, we knew that would probably be caught. So I then said, oh, but hang on, what's the goal here? What's the task? task is to play low risk okay so then i then put a new constraint in place said right six balls low risk shots if you manage to play low risk shots for six balls then um i said you avoid the forfeit <laughs> what's the forfeit I said well what what would be the like the worst thing you could do he said oh i don't know i don't know i'll press up so i said no, no nothing physical what what could we do i said if you manage to achieve the forfeit so if you fail to achieve the, the task here of six balls without playing a risky shot, then you um, have to sing the national anthem in front of all the lads when we get to training tomorrow night. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That would be awful. That would be awful. I said, well, it's dead easy not to do it. Just no, just play low risk shots. So anyway, I come in, six balls, absolutely perfect. Brilliant. <laughs> you can do this. I said, OK, I'll take the constraint off now. Let's just keep going. Next thing. Bang ball in the air hang on a second i took the kid straight off and you've changed your mindset he said yeah i know i said so clearly we haven't got to the point of we've got the learning embedded here we might need to bring the constraint back on 
oh my god oh no 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 but then he knuckles down really interesting so that in that we just learned something about mindset about an approach but the other interesting thing i was using i was talking about was i asked him a lot of questions about what information is there when he's in the crease what things could he attend to and that was really interesting about what they didn't know the shot was their idea is see ball hit ball and in many ways i suppose that's probably got a beautiful simplicity to it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But if you find that's not working for you and you're now looking for alternatives, I'm saying, well, what things do you need to be able to attend to, to see? And it's really interesting. Then don't think about, is the ball moving? What is the bowler doing? What is the tendencies of the bowler? What is the speed of the bowler? How is the ball bouncing? Where are the fielders? Where's, the, where's my opportunities to score? You know, all, all, these, all these sorts of things they're not attending to at all. It's literally see ball, hit ball. And on some levels, I don't know whether I should take that away from them. But if they come to me asking a question saying, this is not, I'm not getting success anymore. I need you to help me. Then I'm sort of duty bound to start helping them attend to some of these ideas. Anyway, it's a very long-winded story. I apologize, but I just thought it was worth sharing that with you. It is. A, it, no, it's, it's a good story. And, and that idea of how much do you consciously think about those things is, is a really big question. Yeah. Because I'm not sure I should draw their attention to it. Well, in cricket, you can. You know, it's a, basically a turn-based game, isn't it? You know, you <laughs> you have a go, and then everybody stops, and you have a think about it, and then you have another go, and it just you know it keeps going like that. So, um, you do have time to consciously think about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then the question becomes: Okay, well, how much do you actually want to do that? And how much? How much? Especially with um, players who are developing. How much do you want that to emerge naturally and how much do you want to draw attention to it so it, emer it emerges with a bit of encouragement but then you are risking that terrible phrase um, paralysis by analysis aren't you yeah, or, exactly oh well i've got so many options now i don't know what to do with myself yeah so uh, and, and that's you know that is one of the joys of cricket is you know there's so many variables mm. that you can't possibly think through all the options consciously. It take, will take too long. You know, one one thinking about one ball in one match, one particular situation or one particular pitch against one particular bowler, you know, you could think about that for 15 minutes, come up with, you know, 20 different options yeah. um, if you wanted to. Uh, and the more experience you get, the more you just create that sort of, you know, in, instant access um Rolodex to oh it, it, you know in this situation I'm doing this because right. I know my game I know what this bowler is likely to do looking mm. at the field I can see roughly what's going to be happening okay mm. I'm away I'm off off I go to the races and you're not you're not necessarily consciously thinking about it but, but I, how I you embed that I don't I don't have an exact answer for no but I think interestingly just by making them aware of some of these things so they're not just in a tunnel between them and the bowler. And recognizing yep. that there's a whole other field of affordances out there that they may or may mm. not want to attend to. My, my yep. goal being is that, and this might just be my own bias, but when I bat, um, this is what I do. And it's not about, I wouldn't necessarily say it's, it's, it's a conscious act of like consciously thinking, certainly not when I'm batting. Uh, I definitely, I'm definitely not doing that. Uh, but it's more about, trying to give myself the maximum tactical advantage. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, I, I'm looking at the tactical element or, you know, the kind of the game sense element of being at the crease. And so the tactical advantage I gain is by under, trying to understand a little bit about 
what is the bowler trying to do to get me out? If I can work that out, if I can work out that puzzle, that gives me a major advantage because I can counteract it. I remember a time when I was at the crease, not that long ago, actually, um, where the bowler was making the ball swing in, you know, curve into me really quite effectively. So my counteract, my counteraction to that was to come out of my crease and bat and bat outside off stump on the basis then that if he swings it in and hits me on the pad, I'm outside the line and it kind of worked. Um, but you know, that was just my counteraction of his approach. I've got mm -hmm. some technical limitations that meant that I couldn't necessarily play him perfectly. So I knew that if I had to make some sort of counter adaptation, so, so that was one thing, but that's just picking up those tendencies. Likewise, you know, I know what my technical capability is, my, my sort of toolbox is. So I'm going to play within a range. So I'm working out where's my scoring options against this bowler. Yeah. And it might sometimes be they're minimal because he's a bit too good. So my scoring is going to come off the other bowler. Or it might be yeah. I've just got to get a bat on ball and get a single so that my other player who seems to be able to manage this dude quite well can score. But again, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not ever thinking about any of those things, you're not get you're not getting the advantage. And I don't I don't mean think about them in the in the game. I think I'm thinking having that sort of little bit more like a strategic overview. So your your point earlier, you've got a plan. Developing yeah. your plan in the moment. Yeah, yeah, and you do have to consciously do that. The, le the the further away you get from um, representativeness. Yeah. So if you're in nets, because then you could just go in nets and hit the ball for 10 minutes and then walk out again yeah. and never have to think about it at all because you're just trying to hit the ball. Yeah. Um, or you can go in nets and create a scenario and say, this is what we're going to do and, and build, build a point system or, you know, make it as complicated as, as you want to just draw attention as you say you draw attention to the situation and then you can explore the potential solutions you know that idea of moving out of your crease and, and moving into a different position is is a, a really good idea especially against the ball moving so um can you do it if, but if you go into the nets and never think about it or you never face a bowler who's bowling the ball into you swinging the ball it's part of the reason why left arm bowlers are so much more effective than right arm bowlers is that no one hardly ever faces a left arm bowler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, if you're never experiencing that, you, you're not building up your your database of uh, of I don't know if that's the right phrase, but you're not building up that that knowledge. Yeah. You know that allows you to 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 deal with it. Yeah, you're not and even building the implicit knowledge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, and in cricket, we do a lot. We tend to do a lot of okay, we work on technique, we work on technique, we work on technique, well, let's play again. Yeah. You know, and then you, all that stuff in the middle, which is what we're talking about here, awareness of the environment is is never worked on because yeah. you're too busy trying to create perfect on-drive. Yeah. And it looks great. You know, when you do it, it looks great, especially on the bowling machine. You play 20 on-drives in a row and everybody goes, oh, that guy can bat. Look, it's technically brilliant. You go out and you nick off first ball because, you, you know, the, the the bowler is nothing like a bowling machine, you know, other, other than the ball coming out at roughly the same speed and trajectory. But that's yeah. not where you get most of your information from. No. So that's that's why you bowling is a really good idea because you know you're starting to pick up on the cues rather than rather than just the ball like popping out of that little hole. Uh, do you know it's funny on that subject? I'm 
I've got some really, I've got a really good, good kind of example of that, um, which is the difference between, and it brings to life, I think, the difference between batting technique or developing technique and skill. So, yeah. and this is where I think the use of information is. So it's the perception action coupling of, of you and bowler, you and field, you know, and all those, and being aware of these environments becomes so important because that's where the information relevant to being skillful comes from. And I've got a, a young player who is quite intensively coached um, by a, a, an older family member. And, um, and this family member is a, is a coach and, does, and, and a very, very accomplished batsman and um, does a lot of one-to-one stuff, gets a lot. And because of his, his um, accomplishments as a batsman, lots and lots of players and young players really mm-hmm. want to work with him. You know, and he, I see him, he's in the next with his dog thrower, just winging balls down. And this young lad is there all the time, usually before I go to get to training and they'll have done a load of drives. And he's very, very interested in the straight bat and the drive and the drive and the drive and hit a lot of drives. And this young player is very, very good, very, you know, very capable and, you know, all that sort of stuff, opens the batting, et cetera, et cetera. What's really interesting is what I've noticed with him is a bit of a tendency that he plays a lot of very good shots for no runs. They're beautiful drives that just go straight to fielders, but they're very nice drivers. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Very good drive, very good drive. (laughs) And then he gets a bit frustrated and then he plays uh, a a more expansive shot and gets out. And I've noticed it quite a lot happening. And it's the classic example of the individual essentially becoming quite obsessed by technique and developing technique but then the application not taking place because can't score and batting skill is being able to score based on where the fielders are, what the bowler does in its simplest yeah. term. And, and yeah. those two things in consort define how you get runs and, Oh, sorry. And the context of the game, of course, oh, yeah, absolutely. you know, if yeah. you go in, if you go in as an opener, then, you know, you've got a particular task, but like, and whatever the plan is, but like, you know, you go in and we're five down and we've got 40 on the, on the board, like we were last night, going out and smashing it isn't probably the best option. Yeah. <laughs> so the context of the game makes a huge difference as to the kind of ways that you might try and score whilst also dealing with whatever the bowler's doing. It's really interesting dynamics. And I, I, think, I think cricket is a game because of its individual nature, whilst obviously still being a team game, the technical side just really permeates all the time, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 because because it's the sort of especially uh, well batting and bowling really they're, they're unnatural movements. You know, you, you don't throw without bending your elbow in any other in any other sport. You know, so bowling actions unusual. So you get uh, you get people drawn towards well, let's get create a good technique around it because you know we want to make sure that the technique's correct. You know, you don't get anywhere near as much focus on throwing technique um, as you do on bowling technique. Yeah, true. Um, and um, yeah, batting again is an unnatural thing. You know, the the bat is a weird shaped object, so you know um, you have to get yourself into some weird positions to to make the most out of it because it's thin, long and thin, mm. which is you know that's. A striking striking sports don't have a long thing of object really very often so you, you know you have to um you have to adapt your movement to that so again it's like well what's the ideal what's the ideal technique so i feel like cricket in particular is very and it, the fact that it's individual and the mm-hmm. fact that you can you know it can all be over very quickly so you don't want to make a mistake 
Mm. You know, so it's very much let's let's achieve perfection. If we can achieve perfection, we won't make any mistakes. We'll score lots of runs. So you know, it, it all draws you towards that those those technical things. Um, and obviously, you can you know, there's there's better or, and worse things. But I always think that you know, let's let's play around with it rather than just assuming that we know exactly what someone will do because we don't. You know, bodies are different, situations are different. Um, yeah mindsets are different yeah um, surfaces are different there's it, it, just too much you can't you can't go right that's the perfect technique for all situations yeah so you have to you, you have to work in that middle ground as much as you can there'll be times when you need to go really technical you know there'll be times when you need to do that but broadly speaking you're working in the middle most of the time and then um Obviously, you know, an eleven-a-side game where you're out—if you're out, you're out. That's <laughs> that's a different kind of thing from hitting a ball off a tee. Yeah, but um, you, you can you you can have both. Most of the time, you're going to be working in the, working somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, you got, I don't like pick tees, for example. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got the emotional side of it as well, haven't you? And the social side of it that is really important as well yeah. as a huge other influencer, which is humiliation, ignominy um you know that sense of failure letting other people down um and 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 i've said been saying this a lot this year that cricket really reveals your character <laughs> it does yeah because it's a very challenging game i mean when you're a bowler it's a little easier but but even with as a bowler you know you you get carted everywhere and they take you off that's a humiliating experience especially for a 12 13 year old boy um, oh yeah who really cares about how they're perceived. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and then, or, you know, you go out to bat and get out on your second ball because you've, you know, as happened to one of my players last night because he, you know, early on in his innings, turned the bat and he got a leading edge and got caught. Then all of a sudden, you know, that oh. second ball, he's he's distraught. You know, my son goes out, gets out fifth ball. He's distraught. Um and the mindset is terrible, you know, and you're trying to pick them back up again and all that sort of stuff. It's really, it's really quite an interesting thing. Um, but the interesting thing I had with a conversation with my son last night was, you know, he's saying, oh, I'm just a B team player. <laughs> I said, you're not, right, yeah. you're not, you're just having a, yeah, you're just see, having a bad yeah. time. Just having a bad time. And also I think you've got a little bit of a negative fixed mindset. So you might have a bit of a B team mindset. So we're going to work on this. And he's been doing loads of work. I've been doing loads of work with him in the garden, tennis balls, just bouncing him down, just trying to get him to be able to move his feet a little bit. Because, um, But it's really interesting how what happens when you do that te technical work. I'm not trying to do it technically. I'm just saying I'm giving him little challenges. So I'm just throwing balls at him and giving him little challenges about like hitting the ball on the ground and playing low risk shots and these sorts of things. And he's, it's really interesting. It's working okay. But then he, other yeah. things happen. So, for example, if I put in a bit of a surprise short ball, he just lets it hit him because he's got so into the idea of I need to come forward towards the ball because I need to come forward. forward. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really, it's these yeah. things that surprise you that you don't think will happen. It's like the unintended consequences. Yeah, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, you're trying, you're almost trying to do that, aren't you? You're trying to sort of disrupt that, yeah, that flow, yeah, rather than just making it a set thing that you always know what's going to happen because that never happens. It's for, oh yeah, I know exactly what's going to, even if you've got a broad idea, you know, it's the last over of the match, you know, and you know, you need 10 to win, right? You know what the batsman's going to be trying to do. Yeah. If you're bowling. Yeah. You know, 
and you know the bowler's probably, you know, the, the bowler's got a lot more options, but you've probably got a broad idea of what the bowler's going to be trying to do. So, yeah. but even then, it's never the same last over twice. Yeah. So, you know, different different ball, different batsman, different bowler, different overhead conditions, different pitch. Everything's, everything is different all the time. So you, all you can do is build up that kind of, build up as much experience as you can at, at being not 100% sure about what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 And just yeah. being comfortable in that situation of going, I've got a broad idea, but I, I'm not locked into only doing one thing because that's when you get, yeah, that's when you get undone because something happened that was weird. And you can, if you're in a certain frame of mind, you go, well, that, that, that doesn't usually happen. So I can just, I don't have to worry about it. And you just forget about it and don't try and do exactly the same thing next time again. And then it comes off and you think, ah, oh, I was right all along, but um, it, it came off that time. It's, it's about, it's just about being comfortable with having to adapt all the time, isn't it? And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think building training around just being adaptable all the time always helps. Yeah. And that's why I like to make the games adaptable as well. If it's, you know, if we're not just for creating a training effect, but, just the, the idea that everything is changing all the time and you can't just get settled into doing it one way because guess what? It's going to be different next time. Um, and that's, and that's where it's, it's, you get into the whole idea of not, not just me changing the game for the sake of changing the game, but get, speaking to the kids and going, what, what are we, you know, what are we doing here? Why are we doing it? And how can we change it to make it better? I always say that. How can we change it to make it better? Is a, is a, is a big thing. But actually, I, I, I don't really, I'm really that bothered about making it better as such, other than obviously I want them engaged, but I'm, I'm just, it's just wanted to change the situation to see how they adapt to it. Yeah. Yeah. Create a new challenge. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep challenging. And, and obviously you want to make it appropriate. You're not going to be bowl 90 mile an hour bounces at the, at the head of a, of a 12 year old, but you know, <laughs> you, you, like you say, you might throw in the occasional um, ball where they have to play off the back foot. Because otherwise, yeah, you just get locked into okay. I'm just, gonna, movement. I'm just going to hang out on the front dog and sit there all day. Yeah, yeah. And then I get out OBW, and then say, oh, oh well. <laughs> it, it, I, I honestly, the game never ceases to never 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 ceases to surprise me though with um, some of the the challenges it throws at young young people, particularly. And I do sometimes yeah. wonder whether the formats that have been designed. Are, are are that well designed? The, the the kind of game formats are that well designed for young people who are experiencing quite a lot, you know, particularly as they hit maturity. You know, it goes back to the conversation I had in the last um, in the last podcast with Sean Cumming, where we talk about you know you've got a lot of biological things going on, and yeah. so you've got a lot of social emotional pressure. You've got the biological things going on. You've got the hormonal challenges and all those sorts of things, and all of that is throwing itself at these young players whilst they're trying to play a game that is extremely difficult and leaves them exposed to quite a lot of uh, essentially traumatic experiences they have to cope with. Yeah. Failure, you know, you have, yeah. you know, failure is 98% of the time, something like that, isn't it? I can't remember exactly what the figure is, but it's high 90% of the time as you fail at cricket. So, <laughs> you know, try selling that. I've invented this sport where you fail 98% of the time. And I think we should 
let teenagers play it because it'll be helpful for them. But nobody's nobody would do that. <laughs> so yeah, you have to find. I, I, th- I think we're getting really good with formats now. But yeah, that whole if you're out, you're out is is a is a massive um, challenge. But I, th- I think formats are much better than they used to be. You know, we no, don't just go eleven aside, twenty two yards off you go. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the bit the bit for me I find interesting is you know we've got options in terms of you've got this format, this format, and you can play a pairs format, which is you know, or you can play. But the interesting thing for me is playing this twenty over out out, out you're out you're out cricket. Um, you know, when some of the players are predominantly batting now, they're not batting and bowling because not everybody necessarily gets to bowl now because that's how the team has asked to set themselves up because I gave them the choice and they said, no, no, we want to have the players who are best at this doing this and the players who are best at doing this. That's up to them. And again, this is where sometimes giving players a voice and choice doesn't always work brilliantly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, but sometimes it does, you know. So, I mean, I think if it was my, if it was my call, I would probably have it much more mixed up and give more people a go, but that's their call. So that's how they've wanted to run it. So we've now got some players who are mostly bowling, players who are mostly batting. The ones who are mostly bat, if they're out, that's kind of the end of their day as far as their contribution to the team beyond fielding, which of course they feel as if they're not doing anything else. But that's in itself quite challenging. But your point about the failure is a really interesting one because yes, so the game itself has a lot of failure and and sort of, you know, that you get exposed a lot. And so for us to be representative in our practice, we have to equate that. And so actually, yeah. as coaches, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because you have to design practices that, ha- that represent that failure. So essentially what you're doing is you're trying to build in some, some of that. And, and you're like, wow, that's like, I don't necessarily want to do that because it's, quite exclusive and <laughs> you get you get the same level of trauma happening and <laughs> but you sort of if we want to live the ecological principles we do have to try and create it as representatively as we as we can so again yes. you always come back yes. to representative enough yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, and that's where you you can soften it a bit and it might not be 10 out of 10 for representativeness but you can soften it a bit you can have you know oh you have a number of points that if you lose if you lose, you know, you, you start with, you start with uh, the classic one, you know, you start with 10 points and if you lose all your points, you're out and, and getting out, you know, is you lose, you lose, I don't know, let's say five. So you can get out twice. Yeah. Also, there's ways of getting point, building points up as well. So you can't necessarily do that. A good one that was uh, a long time ago was, um, suggested to be my mark garraway who's the director of cricket at millfield so he knows what he's talking about yeah um was that um if you achieve if you achieve a certain outcome um say each 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 bank slot is 15 minutes let's say if you achieve a certain outcome like for example not getting out for for the first 10 minutes then you get the extra five minutes at the end and if, if you do, if you um, if you don't achieve it, whatever that outcome is, you can adjust that outcome to whatever level you want. But let's just keep it simple. Let's say, right, if you don't get out in that ten minutes, you get fifteen minutes. If you do get out in that ten minutes, well, you've still had your ten minutes, so out you come. Yeah. Um, so you can soften it, turn the dial down a bit. Yeah. And 
you know, there's still that little bit of jeopardy of, okay, well, I can't get out three times, but that's better than, you know, it's better than literally going in the nets. Classic one, we've done at um, representative level, under 16 level, and these are these are the top players in the region. So they're a bit more, you know, they're a bit more used to that idea yeah. is, you know, go in the nets. If you're out, you're out, even if it's first ball, you know, that is, for those kids, it was appropriate because they were wanting to feel that pressure in the nets. So, you know, they were okay with it and they, they did it. Um, another one I've done, but you want to avoid that, especially with younger kids. Um, but another one I've done is um, jailbreak, which is, um, which is a, a game I've adapted for nets, but you can also play it in the middle where you have three batsmen. And um, if, if you uh, if if you're out, then you you swap out with one, with one of the bat- the other batsmen's an umpire, and if you're out, you swap you swap with the batsman. You can also do it as in um, you bat in threes, so you hit the ball, you run up the other end, and then you you swap out with the next batsman, and, and you bat in threes. Um, so you do it like that. But um, if you're out, then you're you're out of the, you're out of it, and you just be the umpire. But then there's it's called jailbreak because you're in jail and you're not out, you're in jail. Um, and if the batsman hit the ball through through target cones, which have been pre-agreed, then you're back in again. That's a, that's quite a nice one. Uh, and and also you can you can rack the pressure up on that as well by saying if if you've got three batsmen and two of them are in jail, you're done. So again, that's a bit more pressure, but you've got a little bit more time to correct your mistake if you do hit one straight up in the air. Well, that's one of the things we always do in the, in the nets is um, uh, if you hit one straight up into the top netting, that's always out. Um, straight up is always out because <laughs> we always have a debate about, you know, you know, you always have the debate about whether it was six or out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always say you can't hit a six, you hit it straight up in the air. So we're just going to call that out. Even if you think the back, the, the wicket keeper would have dropped it, which you might well have done it under 13s. We're just going to say that. So. <laughs> um, and the other one I always say is if we do ever set any fields at any level, imaginary fields in nets, is if you hit the ball towards where the imaginary fielder is, and we've told you that there's a fielder there, so it's not, of oh, yeah, I definitely had a, a, a mid-off in the ring there, so that's out. If we've said there's a mid-off in the ring, then you bowl, then you hit it in the air straight to mid-off, that's out. Mm. I don't care whether he's caught it or not. Yeah. You've deliberately hit the ball into the red zone, I call it, um, which, which just means it's a high-risk shot. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're taking the control of the game away from yourself there by hitting the ball to a fielder. And yeah, okay, under 13s, maybe it's a 25% chance he's going to catch it. But they, they will catch it sometimes, <laughs> even, even if it's a, a low catch percentage. So don't yeah, play well, that shot. Play funda- fundamentally, given how many ways there are to get out when you're batting, you want to yeah. take that option away, you know, minimise yeah. that by not hitting it in the air towards them. Eight, eight out of ten dismissals are caught. Really? Yeah. Caught, caught, um, caught and bold, uh, far and away the, the, the biggest two. But caught is eight out of ten. And um, bold is like the, the other the other one, and then all the other dismissals are the other one after that. <laughs> wow! So, yeah, court, if you can take out court bold and LBW, you 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 know you've increased your chances of staying in by ninety percent. Wow! 
I've never seen a timed out, so maybe we'll take that one out of the options. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen to people when they should have been timed out, but I've never actually seen it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nobody ever appeals, which is which is strange. But yeah, <laughs> one of the things that you said you wanted to talk to me about um, before we started the recording was um, yeah. something around gamification. Yeah, which we have touched yeah, on well, already, but. Yeah, well, anything with points, and there was—I don't know if it was you who 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 linked to a, a Twitter or retweeted a Twitter thread where they were saying it was saying get a lot of gamification is um, pointification. Yeah, where you're just adding points to to it. So that did make me think about how gamification works within sort of that constraint-led or whatever you want to call it, um, non-linear non-linear pedagogy or, or whatever that phrase is that we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, ecological ecological um how, how it fits in because points are a really really powerful way of directing attention to things that otherwise would be missed because you know it's too broad to say just you know just hit the ball or, or just bowl the ball um so there is that but then also there you are taking away something of the intrinsic the intrinsicness um so I don't know. Do I, do I think of points as I'm just talking? I'm just thinking as I'm talking. So I don't know how, what's going to come out. But do I think of points as almost a sort of um, stabilizers on a bike? You know, you, you don't want to have them on there um, once you can ride, but they're useful to get you going. Um, yeah, and but because points are so powerful, you have to be careful how you use them because they um, they're definitely a double edged sword. I think. Um, and then also like how those other things fit in, especially around those Amy Price sort of um, principles of, of game design and James G, that, those, those areas. It's like how much of that detracts from the intrinsic nature of learning within the game by artificially creating things and how much of it draws attention. I think probably some of column A, some of column B, but I haven't really come to a big conclusion on that yet. Yeah, I, so I, I think the idea of pointification, if you like, um, interestingly, obviously the context, I think, of that particular article was linked more towards the way that the, in, the industry and different parts of sort of commercial corporate, corporate business is going towards a gamified model. Um, yeah. The idea being that, you know, you are essentially creating kind of motivations or inducements for people to engage with your product or service. And by doing so, they earn rewards and badges and points and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and you know, the conversation, I suppose, was about, you know, how do you go about, uh, you know, is it really, is that actually really a way of getting proper engagement or are people just kind of, they're doing it for the points collecting yeah yeah. Yeah. and so does it actually create the kind of behavioral shifts that you might want to you know and the kind of trust and the relationship and the connection and i was thinking about it the reason i shared it was because i was was thinking about it from the perspective of sport and and do do points actually become like you say you know either a distraction or such a strong attractor that actually it draws attention away from some of the other elements of the game that, that the actual pure game could could create and, and yeah, and I, I kind of, and I, so I think I, for me, I think that where I came down on that was as with anything, it comes down to how you use them. Yeah. Tactically deployed rather than just, just throwing stuff out there. And yeah, yeah. And I think I it's, see that. 
a lot of coaches, I think, have been guilty of just liberally throwing points around in the vain hope that some of it might bring about some sort of change of behaviour. But I think you have to be much more intentional about it than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And again, it's a, it's a tricky one, again, because you don't want to over-plan and you don't want to over-sort of put things in straight lines and, and create, uh, you know, something where you want and that, an environment where things are naturally uh, emerging, you know, that's what we're trying to do, aren't we? You know, and, and we're trying to co-create that situation where we're driving towards something, some level of improvement, but also, you know, and any use points in that situation. And that's maybe where the, um, you can work with the, the, the players and say, okay, like, um, you know, what, what should we give points for here? rather than just saying, okay, five points for this, two points for that, take a point off for that, off we go. And then you just end up being the, the scorer, right? You just end up being the, the scorer, trying to keep track of it. And actually, like, a lot, because you've got so much, so many layers there of, of gamification, the kids aren't really engaging with it at all. They're just playing the game. <laughs> yeah. And at yeah. the end, at the end, you go, right, well, how, how do you think you did that? And you go, oh, no idea. <laughs> And you've got this enormously complicated point system where she's trying to draw attention to the right thing at the right time and all the rest of it. And I've definitely done that. And then at the end of it, the, the classic one I think of was, I thought I've been really clever. Right? I thought, okay, they don't like keeping score themselves in nets. So here's what I'll do. I'll have some tokens in each net. And every time, you know, such and such happens, you put a token in the pot and then we'll see who gets the most tokens at the end. And and this was with a group of uh, this was a group were uh, group of thirteen and fourteen year olds. Quite a lot of them school situation, so some more engaged than others. At the end, I pulled in right. Who's let's find out which nets that got the most number of tokens. And two of the nets had got zero because they hadn't bothered to do it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's so clever gamifying this and you know creating these tokens to make it really easy. All you have to do is put the token in the pot. Couldn't be more simple. And in fact, they just they just played. Didn't even they didn't even think about the, the tokens whatsoever even though they were focusing on the thing that they were supposed to be focusing on yeah um but the the, the tokens were meaningless in that situation you know? <laughs> um so yeah you just i guess you just have to try and see what happens and see what emerges and, and work with the kids rather than just trying to force on a solution on them that they, they end up not engaging with yeah and and again it goes back to what a question i asked you right at the start when you were talking about um catchy shubby around what the yeah. intention is and yeah. so what why is the game why is the design because a, a lot of when you're working in this way and and your interventions are less about you providing information more about designing environments as a means of learning your practice design becomes the really important aspect and mm. and sometimes when you do your practice design you realize quite quickly that the points framing actually creates more more harm does more harm than good because it becomes yeah. the be all and end all and so the reality is is that by working from the problem the kind of game problem that and actually then working outwards i found myself using using less points because if you can just design the game in such a way you don't need the extra points as a as an attractor 
if you know yeah. what I mean. And and so there yeah. is. A, I've always found that whenever I do layer points onto things, it becomes a little bit artificial. You know, so people are trying to perform the action, not necessarily in the right context, because they yeah. know that that's a way of getting points. Yeah. 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 You, you have to be careful with it, definitely. Well, it's I coercive, mean, isn't it? Potentially coercive as well. Yeah, you, you're just you're just driving towards them towards a single solution, mm. which is what we're we're not we're not trying to do. Mm. Yeah, you have to have a light touch with it, definitely. Mm. Um, and that's why I like quite like superpowers as well because superpowers give you a bit more flexibility because it's only a, te a temporary thing, which is quite nice. And also with with cricket, you have the natural thing of a lot of points are scored right because runs are points essentially so you know you can just adjust or you hit the ball here and like I, I often a simple one i do is if um if we're, if we're playing any kind of middle practice i say a six is worth four and a four is worth six so right. hit the ball on the ground you know <laughs> you know that's adjustment to the point system but they all they all get their head around that immediately because oh okay right well i need to hit the ball on the ground then I don't like it because they all want to hit it for six every ball, but. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like you say, you don't want to attract so strongly that they then lose sight of the other possibilities. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit like, you know, what I was doing with my son when I was trying to help him to sort of move forward to the ball, that becomes the, the strongest attractor mainly because I've made that, yeah. I've mandated it to the point where, well, I'm just going to let the ball hit me if it's not in the spot that it's been it's supposed to be delivered to, which is massively yeah. counterproductive. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you're sort of taking away the first two thirds of, of batting there, you know, which is um, um, watching watching the um, ball and picking the line length and then deciding what shot you're going to play. Yeah, that's the first two thirds of batting. The execution is only the last third, I think. So. And, and I say deciding in the loosest possible, you know, you're not, you're not picking it from a list. No, it's more like you're react, reacting, isn't it? You know, so there's, um, yeah, if, if you want the full bang experience, you've got to do all three of those things. You've got to watch the ball, pick, pick the line, the length of the ball, um, play the shot, the, the most appropriate shot for the circumstances that you're in and choose it and then play that shot, you know? Yeah. And obviously they're all intertwined, but you know, trying to sort of take one aspect of it out is not, doesn't really work, but that's what we do when we do technical stuff. We say, yeah. okay, nothing else matters except the execution. And, and actually, interestingly, to become skillful, skillful at the game, that's where I'm spending most of my time in my design is around those, particularly if we're talking about batting around those sorts of concepts, which is how do I, so it's almost like, depending on the context, depending on the situation, depending on the situation, depending on how I am, how I feel, you're almost, you're right, you're not selecting from a range of movement possibilities, you know, like, okay, I build my technical toolbox, and now I've got more to select from. What you're doing is, you're adapting your um, approach, based on the context and the bowler and everything else so for me like you know i often would sort of i i would basically say there's a whole load of things there's a load of shots i could play but i'm not going to because the context demands that of me mm. um yeah. 
And actually, I think that's the that's the kind of so, so then my framework, I've got a framework of possible options available to me. And I'm just going to stay within that framework for a period of time until things change. Either I'm out or uh, things change and I've spent enough time in the environment mm-hmm. to then become to then say, right now I've got I've got a greater understanding and my yeah. my kind of attunement to this environment has become such that my framework can expand yeah yeah absolutely it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, a thinking about, about risk management term. i think a lot isn't it oh yeah I, I, yeah i say that all the time it's just managing risk you know are you prepared to take that risk to score you know and the, the situation might demand like you say if you need to six off the last ball the decision's made for you but most most of the rest of the time you you know you get a, 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 such a vast array of options that you you know you need to you need to pick from from that and then um i talk about um with, with when i'm working with players one to one i'll talk about um um pre pre you, you're preloading so you you're sort of deciding broadly what you're going to be doing because the situation demands it and then you work from there you know so mm-hmm. Mm. Um, pre-loading rather than premeditating. Because premeditating means you've already decided what you're going to do before the bowl has rolled the ball, which is not great. Um, it can work, especially if you're really good and you've got a, and the bowl is all right as well. So you know roughly what the bowl is going to do, and you can adapt even as you start to swing the bat. You can adapt. Yeah. Then premeditating can work, especially for things like sweeps, reverse sweeps, and and um, switch hits and things like that where you, yeah, do you have to premeditate it, those yeah 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 um but pre i call it pre-loading instead which is you have it in mind you have it as an option but you're not definitely going to do it so uh, and then the adaptability then in playing you know uh, oh i see so you're saying I'd, if the ball gets delivered here i'm going to play this shot yeah, not okay. even this shot because I don't like saying shots. I okay. think shots sort of locks you in a bit too much. I'm going to look to score in this area. I see. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's pitching it up, I'm hitting straight. Yeah, you know, yeah, if yeah, yeah. If yeah. he's bowling, if he's bowling short, I'm hitting square. Yeah. Um, if it's somewhere in between, I'm deciding what I'm going to do with it, depending on the the bowler and the, the situation. You know, so. Um, um, I, I've, I've even gone away from saying straight bat and cross bat. I say I, I just say you're going to play with a vertical bat or a horizontal bat, and then there's also shots in between vertical and horizontal. But you kind of have to, you know, that's now you're starting to get very nuanced. Mm. But you know, if it's if it's if it's a half volley, then you you know you're much better off playing with a vertical bat. And if it's you know if you can get away with the ball's bouncing over the stumps, which is that's my big thing of if the ball's bouncing over the stumps, well you're not getting bowled. So then you've got your horizontal bat shots. If the ball's not hitting the, the ball's not hitting the stumps. You've got your horizontal bat shots that you can that you can play. So it's simplifying it mm. rather than going. Okay, well we've got a cut. We've got a late cut. You know. Yeah, 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 got, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, we've got a, a pull. We've got a hook, which is different from a pull. Very different. Don't don't try and play a hook when you're meant to be playing a pull. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you've got four different types of sweep and then a reverse sweep. And, a, you know, it, it gives, I think it gives too many options. You just go, okay, look, we're going to play. We're just going to play with a vertical bat or a horizontal bat. And then we talk about our options there and think about where you're trying to hit the ball, mm. you know? Mm. And that's it. Rather than thinking about, I must execute X shot, num- shot X at X time. 
yeah, it's all too it's all too locked in. I think then so, but a bit of flexibility by loosening up the terms. I like that. I like that. Yeah, um, you give me a lot to think about. I feel like this has been a almost like a counselling session as much as anything else. <laughs> so um, well, I've had to talk you down after the defeat. So you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh no, they equipped themselves pretty well. I mean, we didn't get the score we wanted. We got you know we only got eighty odd. They're a very, very good side, though, um, and we were expecting them to be quite a good side, and they, were, they had some pretty tasty bowlers. They had you know, lad bowling with more or less a full beard, um, you know, which happens sometimes. That's the thing at that age, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing at that age. You get one one kid who's, you know, peak height velocity and you're stuffed. Yeah, I mean, early maturers. <laughs> they had a lad, lad who was very big and tall, bounced it really hard. They had another lad who went out and batted and smashed it. But we stuck at it, and they all stuck together, and we had them for six, um, and it was a little bit, tight you know and uh, one lad got three fur and and he's one of the lads who sort of struggled with confidence a little bit which was brilliant for him and my son was thrown into wicket keeping with very little experience because our wicket keeper wasn't available two lads were out with self-isolation so you know we did all right so I'm not I'm not over overly unhappy about it but uh, yeah you know that, that was fine um, yeah, you can't hey, control the outcome, but you can control the behaviours. Well, that's it. And that was the point, right? <laughs> we'd had a previous yeah. game where we'd got beaten, where the behaviours had fallen apart, and we'd learned a lot about that. So um, I've run out of time, unfortunately. I've got to go and do another yeah, me online too. meeting. Um, so I'm really sorry, even though, I, as you know, I could probably talk to you about cricket coaching all afternoon. <laughs> and I do feel like I've massively indulged myself by really just sort of not veering away from the experiences of the cricket side of things. But... As, an, as you know, knowing how much experience you have working in this realm and re and which is relative, which is in my case is relatively little in, you know, because I've only been in the game about five, six years. And I know you've been doing this for quite a long time. So it's been really useful yeah. just to throw ideas around with you. And you've cemented a few things and reminded me of a few things that I've kind of gone and done and got wrong. <laughs> it's a, it's a, what's the phrase? It's a, it's a process, not a, not a end goal isn't it so yeah yeah just, just keep keep moving forward Excellent. with a shark yeah um yeah <laughs> nice this has been a, I feel like it's been a bit of reverse mentoring on this podcast so i've enjoyed it so i do appreciate it thank you pleasure david i know you're right you started to write again and i know you started to put out well you stopped because you were so heavy with the school but i know you've got some really interesting stuff on your blog and uh yep. you've been in the podcast space as well in the past so what's the best way for people to find find more of you from you etc cetera, etc cetera? um twitter probably is is the is the the biggest thing at david hinchliffe um only uh, one c in that and um that you should find me there smiling away um but also my website which i don't update that often but sometimes i get the urge and we'll do like a 2000 word splurge on i don't know points or <laughs> you know something stupid like that but you can have a look at that it's david25.com david25.com there's uh yeah there's a lot on there actually there's a lot of really interesting stuff you definitely have sort of thought out loud on those on those articles but they're well researched yeah, do, yeah. and they're really well put together um and there's a lot of good content on there i have found it a really good source so um no highly recommend it um appreciate your time thanks for uh thanks for indulging me Thanks, Stu. Cheers, mate.
Thanks for listening to the Talent Equation podcast. If you like the show, then please consider supporting it by leaving a review on your favorite podcast player, telling your friends about it, or even becoming a hero and show your appreciation by becoming a patron. Just head over to thetalentequation.co.uk and click on the Becoming a Patron button at the top of the page. 